all have giants that we face in life. Your giants might look different than mine, but we all face them nonetheless. Our giants might be personal, like anxiety, grief, or sickness. They might be cultural, like so much that our nation is facing right now. Some giants are uncontrollable and take us completely by surprise. Often, we're not just facing one giant, but a bunch at one time. We fight and we fight with all of our might, and yet we wonder, why is my giant still standing? So how do we win the battle against our giants? Or maybe a better question to ask is, can we win the battle against our giants? What is up, Northridge Church? How's everybody doing? Yeah. Welcome, welcome. It's an exciting weekend, and I want to welcome everybody who's on our online uh, campus, whether you're watching on the CW channel or you are on our online platform. Welcome to you to our Webster campus. What's up, everybody? Welcome to you in Rochester. It is great to be with you, and it's an exciting Sunday in the life of our church for multiple reasons. One, yo, guys, there's real people here. <laughs> Like, I, I'm not actually even sure what to do with y'all because it's been so long since I preached a message with people in the audience. Like, I'm used to a, a quiet, empty room, so easy, okay? We've got people at all of our campuses. And second of all, we have our very first service at our new facility at Webster, and we believe God's going to use that facility in amazing ways. Woo! We prayed for this moment. We sacrificed for our Webster campus at 780 Salt Road. And to see it come together today is, is amazing. It's a God thing. And, and it's a, an exciting Sunday. And I, I don't know about you, but it just feels good to be excited about something. Doesn't it? I mean, we've walked through this wild and crazy roller coaster of the last six months. I mean, it's been up and down. And we've kind of felt all the emotions, right? We, 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 we felt the nerves and the fear and, and the worry. We, we've dealt with the tensions and the conflict and the anger and the bitterness. Like, we've, we've walked almost through it all. And the results of all of it is change, right? Personally, in our community, in our city, in our country, and ultimately our world. I mean... Here you are in a church facility wearing a mask. Feels weird and awkward, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> Our world has changed. I mean, this season has changed so much, my hair has even changed. <laughs> like the curls have been unleashed, there's no controlling them. But man, we've, we've been through so much. We've navigated crazy waters. And I wonder how you've handled it. Or have you handled it? Or have you just kind of pretended like, oh, everything's going to go back to normal eventually. Like, I'm just waiting for that day. Just kind of ignored the problem. Like, how have you dealt with it? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Because that's too big of a season to, to really ignore. And we're going to address it by looking at a really old story in the Bible. A story that I would bet majority of you are familiar with. But we're going to look at it from a, a, a different perspective. We're going to look at it from a different angle, and I believe when we look at this story that was written thousands of years ago, 
I believe it will actually collide and intersect in our present day culture. So if you got your Bibles, I'd encourage you to turn there, 1 Samuel chapter 17. Grab your phone out. It's okay to have your phone open in church. It's kind of the new norm. Mom's not going to hit you. She's not going to say, put your phone away. No, grab it out. Turn in your Bible app to 1 Samuel chapter 17. As you're kind of making your way there, I'd also encourage you to go to the Northridge app. If you don't have the app, it's in the app store. You can download it really quickly. That's where we're going to have our notes for you to follow along during this message. I'd encourage you to take notes today. So 1 Samuel, let's kind of set the scene of the story. There are two nations at war. God's chosen nation, the nation of Israel, and their foe, their enemy, the Philistines. And and, and verse 2 kind of paints the picture for us. It says, Saul, who is the king of Israel, and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another, the valley between them. So we can imagine this, right? We've seen movies similar to this where there's two uh, armies getting ready, gearing up for battle. They're on opposite sides of this valley. That's That's the scene scripture paints for us. We can imagine it in our head and thousands of people getting ready to go to war. Now scripture does something unique is it actually begins to describe just one person. You would think in, in a battle this big, one person couldn't change the trajectory of the battle. But scripture goes in verse 4, it says, A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of a scale of armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his leg, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron pointed point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Now it's interesting that scripture would take like five verses, three verses to describe one man in a battle this big, right? In this culture, one man couldn't do a whole lot of damage, but it was different for Goliath because he was a giant. Scripture says he was nine foot Six inches. That's ridiculous. Just to give you some perspective, right? I'm not a giant, let's be honest. It's not funny, okay? <laughs> These are seven foot, two inches. So the tallest people we know, probably in, in our world, that we see on a regular basis, if we watch sports, the NBA, right? The tallest NBA player was about seven foot, eight inches. Just add two feet to that, and you got about Goliath. And he wasn't this like really tall, scrawny dude. Scripture goes into detail about the armor that he wore. Scholars believe it weighed anywhere from 200 to 400 pounds, just his armor. So this dude is ridiculous. He's huge. He's a giant. No one wants to fight him because why? He's undefeated. You want to know how we know he was undefeated? He's still alive. All the other guys, they're dead. And so... He issues this unique challenge. It says, choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. So really simple. Goliath steps out of the battle lines. He says, hey, let's not have all this bloodshed. Pick your best warrior, me versus him, winner takes all. Sounds simple, but the nation of Israel is doing exactly what you and I would be doing. They're on the sidelines like, no way. 
Nobody in their right mind would be dumb enough, stupid enough to fight Goliath. He's way bigger. He has the advantage. And what do you do when no one's going to do something? You need somebody to do something and you, you, you can't find anybody. You know what you do? You find a teenager. They'll do it. That's exactly what scripture does. It finds this teenage shepherd boy. His name was David. He hears Goliath defy his God. And this was his response. Verse 32, it says, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on the account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. So David steps up to the plate and says, hey, listen, I'll do it. He has to convince the king of Israel, that he's the man to do the job. And, and so we kind of have this scene before us. David is getting ready to fight Goliath. Armies are surrounding them. We see the picture, and it's right here where I want to pause. Because after reading this story, dealing with everything that we have dealt with, there is something in me that is a little bit jealous of David. I know, that sounds weird, right? Like, who would be jealous of that moment? Like, there's no way, but... Maybe you can relate to me because when David went to battle with Goliath, he could just stare at his giant. He could see his giant. He could kind of come up with a strategy to, to figure out his weaknesses, where he was going to attack, and he only has one giant to focus on. And the reason why I'm a little bit jealous is because right now it just doesn't feel like I'm fighting just one giant. Can you relate? Because let me walk through maybe just some giants that I've experienced in my life the last six months that maybe you've experienced. The first giant I like to call just personal giants. Personal giants. These are the giants in our life that we have and there are personal giant. They belong to us. It's the giant that we wage war against on a regular basis. Let me give you some examples you can relate to. For some of you, it's the personal giant of anxiety or worry or fear. It's probably pretty prevalent in the last six months. You've been waging war against it, but you feel like it keeps beating you. Maybe it's the personal giant of a, a broken marriage, a struggling marriage that you've been wrestling and navigating through. Maybe it's the personal finances or a failing business or whatever it is. We all kind of have personal giants that we have to look at and battle against on the regular. And you guys know me. I, I like to be real. I like to give you a window into my life because I don't want anybody to ever think I'm on a pedestal. And in this last season, I had to deal with a giant that I've never faced before, a personal giant. It's a giant called grief. Many of you know this, but right as COVID hit, my dad died, shockingly, surprisingly. And it devastated me and my family. And today's a it's actually a really hard day because this is the first time I've ever preached on this stage and my dad wasn't sitting right there since he's been coming to Northridge. And if I'm honest, I'm not even sure I've wrestled with this giant yet because it's been such a busy season and we've adjusted and adjusted and made decisions and dealt with complaints. It's just been so fast and so quick. I think I've just kind of ignored this giant, but he, he's looming over me. He's surrounding me. He's mocking me. And I think you get it because we all have personal giants that kind of hang over us, that we wrestle with. And that would be enough, right? That would be enough to have a really hard and vicious battle, but that's not it. Because we also have what I like to call cultural giants. These are the type of giants that we don't get to pick. Culture just brings them in our path. We, we don't really want to fight with them, but they just kind of keep coming after us. There, there are things like politics, 
right? Politics bring a lot of cultural giants, and, and the cultural giant that we have faced on a regular basis this last couple months is this cultural giant called racism. And there was a season in our life where we could kind of just pretend like this didn't exist, it wasn't that hot of a topic, no longer can we do that. Because it's everywhere, right? We've, we've seen the protests, we've seen the riots and the looting, it's all over the place. And now, whether we like to or not, we have to wrestle with this cultural giant that is there called racism. And again, you're like, okay, that's enough to wage war, but there's still more. There's what I like to call the unexpected giants. These are the giants that no one can predict, plan for, but when they come, man, do they wreak havoc. They hurt. They're things like the loss of a job that many people have experienced in the season. And really the big, you know, unexpected, unplannable giant that we've kind of walked through is a virus that we know called COVID-19. And man, has it changed our world. And so maybe you can understand why I'm a little bit jealous of David who's fighting Goliath. Although Goliath is a huge foe, I feel like I'm surrounded by giants. I don't know which one to go after first. I don't know where to start, where to begin, where to battle. And I would bet that you get it. You're consumed. They're looming over you, mocking you, and crushing you. And what do we do? I mean, what do we do, honestly? Like right now in our season, how do we fight? What do we do? And in our natural reaction, our natural tendency is probably a good tendency. It's like, okay, let's look at the story of David and Goliath, right? Like what do we do? Well, we do what David did, right? Let's follow David's example. Like I'm reading the Bible and wow, there's David. He fights the giant. Like that's what I should do probably, right? I mean, let's look what David did. Verse 48, it says, as the Philistines moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he found face down on the ground. We like that result. Sounds great. And so guess what we do? We follow David's example. So figuratively speaking, we, we grab some stones, right? Listen, I've practiced with a slingshot. I can't hit these things, okay? But this is what we do in life. Okay, we've got giants, right? Like the personal giant. Let's say your personal giant is your finances. And so we do what David did. We fight our giant. We make a budget. You know what? We, 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 we bake budgets. We cut up our credit cards. We throw rocks. You know what? Racism. Hey, we're going to make a post on social media. We're going to have conversations. We're going to read books. We're going to fight our giant. You know what, COVID-19? I'm going to wear a mask. Nope, I'm not going to wear a mask. You know what? I'm going to social distance. I'm going to come to church, but I'm not wearing, we do all these things and we fight our giants, we throw our stones. And here's the problem, over the course of throwing stone and throwing stone, we get tired. Anybody tired of what's going on in our culture? You're weary. And here's the problem, we've been fighting for six months and we ask this question, why in the world is my giant still standing? Does God just not care about me like he cares for David? God, I'm doing exactly what your word says to do. I'm following David's example. I've been fighting and fighting and fighting, God, and no avail. My giants are still looming. In fact, it feels like they're getting bigger. And then it becomes this like head game. Like, does God just not love me? 
Does God just not know what's going on in our culture and my life and everything? Does he just, do what, and we come to this conclusion that God just doesn't care, All right? God just doesn't care about me at least. And here's the problem. You know, we, we look at this story and I think we, 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 we follow it and, and we try, but the, there's two major problems in this story when we read it. The first problem is we fail to recognize that David didn't do much of anything. Now, that might sound shocking to you, right? The hero of the story didn't do anything. Are you crazy, Drew? I'm not sure you're reading the same story I am. And I want to ask you this question. Why do we choose to give David so much credit for something he didn't accomplish? Why? What's, what's so fascinating to me is we don't see that, but David did. Look what happens when David goes to fight Goliath. Verse 45, it says this. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword, spear, and javelin. Physical weapons, right? Aren't those the weapons we usually try to fight with? The same weapons Goliath used? David says, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled, sinned against. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. You see, notice something. When David stepped out on the battlefield, he wasn't like, yo, Goliath, you better watch yourself because I just got the new model of the sling master. It's model 4170, and it whips stones about 100 miles an hour, bro. You don't got a shot. David never mentions anything about himself his weapon, his strength, his courage. Why? Because David realized he wasn't going to do much of anything. David basically looked at Goliath and said, bro, you're fighting someone way bigger than me. Because David didn't do much of anything. But the second thing we have to realize, the second problem we have in this text is, man, when we read stories like this, we like to be the hero. We do. Like, I am so guilty of this. I want to be the guy who saves the day swoops in with my cape and all. But this crashes my ego and it's gonna crash yours. It's gonna drop your pride. I'm not David and you're not David. As much as I wanna be, and here's a problem we have with the Bible as a whole, is, is we believe the Bible is full of heroes. No, it's not. The Bible only has one hero and his name is Jesus. And every other person we read about, like Noah and Jacob and Peter and the disciples and Paul, every person that we read about in the stories of the Bible are just like you and I. They are flawed, sinful people who God chose to use and work through and, and use. God, Jesus, is the hero of the Bible. And if we look at this story from that perspective and that lens, here's where it collides with our, our culture today because we recognize that Goliath represents sin. Can I tell you today the greatest giant you will ever face is your sin. It's stronger than you. It will beat you up every single time. And in this story, that's who Goliath represents. He's nine foot six, he's huge. No one can beat him. But then a hero came and his name was David, right? And David represents in this story, Jesus. Not me or you, but Jesus. 
And when we see that in the pages of the Bible, you see there's something bigger going on in the Bible. Every story points to one story. It's, it's called the gospel. And if we see this story this way, here's what it teaches us when we encounter giants like this, when we wrestle through giants that we don't know how to defeat, it teaches us that the only weapon strong enough to defeat your giants is the gospel. This is the part where the church says, amen. Okay, let's try this again. Let's just, <laughs> punchline, everybody. The only weapon strong enough to defeat your giants is the gospel. Oh yeah, we're on it now. Do you believe that? The only thing that will change racism or fear or worry or debt or COVID-19 or addictions is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we actually truly believe that, we recognize the power of the gospel, here's what it means for us. Here's what it means for us in, in, in this current situation. And I want to speak to two groups right now. The first group of people I want to, I want to, I want to speak to is Jesus followers. People who, who, who claim the name of Jesus, who, who have said yes to Jesus, and he's forgiven them of their sins, and he's the leader of their life. I'm not talking about cultural Christians. I'm not talking about people who check the box of coming to church but don't live like Jesus. I'm talking people about people who have surrendered their life, picked up their cross, and denied themselves and are following Jesus. If that is true, if, if the only weapon that has the power to defeat our giants is the gospel, here's what we need to learn to do is in any problem, we need to lead with the gospel. Lead with the gospel. And I would bet that you know that, but what does that look like? You see, I think there's a, a big problem in Christianity today where Christians, Christ followers, view the gospel as an ATM. It's this one-time transfer of, of funds, right? You go to the ATM and you get your cash and you pull it out. That's all you need. And that's how we view the gospel, is we get exactly what God did for us. He, he, we accept his payment and his victory that he gave us. We take it out. We, we punch in our code and we take it and we leave it and we move on. And that's how a lot of Christians view the gospel. But we have to understand the gospel is for believers just as much as non-believers. The gospel is what lives inside of us as Jesus followers that changes our heart over the course of time. It continues to refine and mold us to look more like Jesus. You can't do that outside of the gospel. And it amazes me that so many Christians today believe that we can solve our problems apart from the very thing that changed our heart, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what does this look like? If, if I'm a Christ follower and I face giants like this and I'm supposed to lead with the gospel, flesh this out for me. I wanna give you four ways. Number one, the first way we lead with the gospel is we believe in our own sinfulness. We believe that we are wretched people, sinners that, is, that are saved by grace. Here's, 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 here's a problem I have. I don't know if you have this. But sometimes I downplay the power and the deception of sin. Sin is so deceptive and so powerful that you can actually believe you're on the right side of history while being on the wrong side of history. Because sin blinds us. And as a Christ follower, when I lead with the gospel, what it does is it makes me examine myself first because I recognize how sinful I can be and how my sin can decept me. And the power of the gospel 
compels us to overcome the nuance and slippery forms of sin in me and in the world. And we have to constantly remind ourselves that we are sinners. And we have to believe in our sin in the way where we see things a little bit differently. Number two, we depend only on God's power to solve the problem. Sometimes I think I'm bigger and stronger than I really am. Sometimes I I bank on my own words more than I should. And I think many of us have this problem. We like to believe that we are capable that we are strong, that we are mighty. And what that leads us to is we bank on our own ability. Sometimes I believe I can just sermon my way out of a problem because I think my words will actually change people's hearts. But the problem is, is I don't have that capacity and neither do you. And here's the lie that we've believed in our culture is if we just get rid of the media or if we just get rid of this president, things will change. Policy, if we just have a different form of policy, or you know what, if we go on social media and we we have a conversation or we put a nuanced post together, that will be the thing that changes people. And the problem is, is you don't have that power and neither do I. Only the gospel changes people's hearts. And we must depend only on that power. David, when he walked onto the battlefield, he banked on God. Never once did he think he was able, but only God. Number three, to lead with the gospel, we have to keep people's ultimate need in mind. Here's where the enemy is so good. You see, what the enemy does is he throws giants like COVID-19 or or racism or personal giants like grief or worry into our lives. And, And part of the reason why he does that is sheer distraction. Right, He wants you to be so consumed with your grief or your addiction. He wants you to be so consumed with racism. He wants you to be so consumed with COVID-19 that you actually miss out on people's greatest needs. Can I tell you today, material poverty, racism, addictions, problems of all kinds are not the biggest problem we face in our culture today. It's the problem with the Goliath, and that's our sin. And until we recognize that and see people's greatest needs, we will miss it. And number four, we lead with the gospel by bringing our slingshot. Here's my greatest fear of this message, is you will think that what I'm saying today is that we should just stand on uh, at work and preach the gospel at people. Like, that's what Drew's saying. Like, the gospel's the solution, And so let's just bank on the gospel and use it as a crutch not to do anything. No, that's not an excuse I'm giving you. There are giants that we have to fight. Notice David, when he fought Goliath, he didn't show up without his weapon. He brought his slingshot, he brought his weapon, and he fought actively against his giant. He believed fully in God's power, but he still brought his fight to the table. And too many Christians, they use the gospel as an excuse not to talk about racism or not to address COVID-19 or not to deal with their personal giants. And we still must learn to fight our, our giants actively, our problems actively, while still believing in God's power to come through. So there's no excuse here to bank on the gospel and sit around and do nothing. Believe in the gospel, but fight like it matters to you. 
You can't introduce the power of the gospel to a problem you're not actively trying to solve. So as Christ followers, what do we do? We lead with the gospel. And the way we do that is we believe in our own sinfulness. We depend only on God's power. We keep the people's ultimate need in mind and we bring our weapons and we fight and we fight and we fight until God brings that giant down. And the conclusion we come to in this season as we face our giants is no matter the problem that we face, the gospel is always needed. It's always needed. Probably my favorite quote of all time is this. I absolutely love the gospel. If you you don't know that about me, you haven't been around long. I'm obsessed with the gospel. I love preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. And if you get tired of the gospel, you won't like it here at this church. Because why? Because this quote, it says, never be content with your current grasp of the gospel. I wonder if you have. Has the gospel become stale to you? I've heard it over and over again. Is it just that ATM withdrawal for you? You just kind of become numb to the gospel. Have you become content with the current grasp of the gospel? Why? Because the gospel is life permeating. It's world altering. It's universe changing truth. It has more facets than a diamond in its depths. No man will ever exhaust. That's the glory and the beauty of what Jesus did for us. You will never fully understand it. You will never fully grasp it. And it yields power that you cannot even believe. And it can make all those giants come crashing down. And that's why as Christ followers, when we are surrounded by our giants, we lead with that power. But yet maybe you're here today and you know what? You're searching. You're searching in life for a void that you just haven't been able to fill. You've tried in relationships, you've tried with things this world has to offer and you realize none of it satisfies you. And maybe you're here at at church watching online or at one of our campuses because you're just trying to find that thing that will bring your life purpose and meaning. Or you know what, maybe you're like this where you're checking out Jesus, but you got a whole lot of questions. You've heard the story of the gospel, you've, you, you, but you just have your doubts. Did that really happen? Did he really rise from the dead? Like, come on. And you have concerns. And maybe that's you. Maybe I'm describing you right now. You haven't yet said yes to Jesus and what he accomplished for you. And here's my challenge for you. I would challenge you really to push your doubts and your concerns aside. Not forever, but for right now. For those of you who are searching for something, I believe today you can find it. And if you would just choose to believe or surrender to the gospel. You see, when we look at this story, David and Goliath, and we look at that giant, Goliath, we have to recognize that it is a giant we can't defeat because it's our sin. And the Bible clearly says in Romans 6, 23, it says, for the wages of sin, that giant is death. And so many of you, you've been trying to be a good person and to defeat your bad, and you constantly lose. Why is that? Because you can't beat that giant. You just can't. You fight all your life in your own power, in your own strength, and you will constantly and always lose. 
you are not strong enough. And the result of that giant that we all face is death. We're all going to die. We can't avoid it. It looms over us. But just like David and Goliath, a hero came. And he came in, in, in an inconspicuous way. He came as a baby in a manger. No one saw it coming, but he came from heaven to earth. Why? To fight the giant we couldn't defeat. To beat up sin. To die in our place and to give us the keys to the victory through his resurrection. And right now, I believe for some of you today listening, whether you're at home or at one of our campuses, he is drawing you to himself. Because the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the hero of God, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Jesus died and rose again so you could have a future, so you could fulfill that void that you've been searching everywhere else to fill. And all you have to do, all you have to do is believe. That's how I give you a chance to do that right now. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Maybe you're ready to, to surrender. You got questions and you don't know all the answers, but you, you, you're ready to step into that relationship with Jesus. Here's what you got to do. It's not magical. It's not some weird equation. It's just a cry of your heart. Would you just pray this right now in, in your heart and mean it? God, I'm a sinner. And I recognize my sin is a giant I can't defeat. But you did. You did by dying on a cross and you did by raising again three days later. And I believe in that. I got my questions, I got my doubt, but today I'm taking a step, a giant step of faith, God, and I'm putting my trust in you and what you accomplished for me. God, will you forgive me of my sin? I'm turning from it today and I want you to be the leader of my life. Would you come into my life and change me from the inside out? If you said that prayer, I would encourage you to just do one simple thing. It's just to let us know. And the simple way to do that is you can go online right now. Grab your phone at home, go on your computer and go to iwant.info. This is kind of the central hub for our church in this season, no matter what you need. It's a place where you can go and text a real life person all your questions. There's a banner that says, hey, I believed and surrendered to the gospel. If you click that, we will follow up with you. We will celebrate with you and we will help you walk with Jesus. Or maybe you're here today and you just have questions about our church. You've got steps you wanna take that you don't know how to take. Iwant.info is a great place to go for all of us for our next steps in faith. But like you and like me, we will constantly in life be surrounded by giants. They're not gonna go away. They will just look a little bit different. Culture will bring new things. A new disease will come 100 years from now. How will you fight? Will you fight in your own power and your own strength? Or will you fight with the gospel? the weapon that's only capable of crashing your giants. Would you pray with me? God, this season has been so hard. I'll be the first to admit it. It's, it's been so difficult, but God, you gave us the keys to our victory. 
we have them. They're right there. We just kind of learn to bank on them and trust in you. No matter whether our giants come crashing down or not, we will bank on you. Help us in the journey. In Jesus' name, amen.